Hello brothers and sisters, today we have our final sermon in the series on John chapter 3 that I have titled A Conversation or a Verse. Uh, I'm going to start out with a prayer from the Valley of Vision and then we'll read the text and we will get into the sermon. This prayer is called Calvary's Anthem. Heavenly Father, thou hast led me singing to the cross, where I fling down all my burdens and see them vanish, where my mountains of guilt are leveled to a plain, where my sins disappear, though they are the greatest that exist, and far more in number than the grains of fine sand. For there is power in the blood of Calvary to destroy sins, more than can be counted even by one from the choir of heaven. Thou hast given me a hillside spring that washes clear and white, and as and I go as a sinner to its waters, bathing without hindrance in its crystal streams. At the cross there is free forgiveness for poor and meek ones, and ample blessings that last forever. The blood of the Lamb is like a great river of infinite grace, with never any diminishing of its fullness, as thirsty ones without number drink of it. Our Lord, Forever will thy free forgiveness live that was gained on the mountain of blood. In the midst of a world of pain, it is a subject for praise in every place. A song on earth, an anthem in heaven, its love and virtue knowing no end. I have a longing for the world above where multitudes sing the great song, for my soul was never created to love the dust of earth. Though here... My spiritual state is frail and poor. I shall go on singing Calvary's anthem. May I always know that a clean heart full of goodness is more beautiful than the lily, that only a clean heart can sing by night and by day, that such a heart is mine when I abide at Calvary. Our sermon today is going to be on John chapter 3 verses 18 through 21. He that believes in him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of that only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that that light came into the world, and men loved darkness rather than that light, because their deeds were evil. For every man that evil does hates the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds might be made manifest, that they are wrought according to God. Father, I ask, this, ask that you clear our minds, clear our ears to hear. As we look upon this scripture, Clear our eyes to see, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit fall down upon our homes. Let it fall down upon wherever we are where we're listening to this, Lord, so that your Son can be shown in spirit and truth. Amen. So I want to start out by recapping what we have done so far and what we've seen. John chapter 3 started out with Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, telling Jesus that they knew God was with him. In verse 2, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Unless a man be born again of water and a spirit, he cannot see and cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
in what I feel was an exposition of Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Jesus told Nicodemus that being, that being born again, you will be rebirthed in spirit by the spirit, a spirit that comes and goes to and fro like the wind. It was from here that Nicodemus asked, how can these things be? With Jesus answering back with the great faux pas of answering a question with a question, are you a teacher of Israel and know not these things? What follows this question is Jesus laying out who he is, the Son of God, that he must be lifted up, he must grow to, go to the cross, that the efficacy of that cross will not just stay with the Jewish people, but be effective across the entire cosmos, bringing Jew and Gentile together from generation to generation, that those born-again believing ones in the cosmos shall have everlasting life. But, is this where our walk with Christ ends? Are we saved and then left to our own choices, to our own devices? Does the journey continue on? And I say yes, in fact, it does continue on. Jesus continued on with his conversation, verse 18. And as I said, we're going to pick up at verse 18 as verse 17 was where we left off with part 2. Jesus had just told Nicodemus that he wasn't there to condemn, to, to condemn the cosmos but to save it. The world was in need of a Savior and God had sent his only begotten or procreated son to carry out this mission. Jesus didn't need to come and condemn the world because all those not born again believing ones were condemned already. Condemned because they believed not in Jesus. Condemned because Jesus had come to the world and the world loved darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. And here lies the first clue on how to differentiate between the born-again believing ones and those who can't claim belief in Jesus with no amendment of life. Their deeds were evil. Their deeds today are evil. Men and women from the beginning of time have allowed their sinful nature to steer their wants and desires. We are, we're only a couple of chapters into God's word when the world is so evil that God sees no other choice than to flood it, causing the quickest human depopulation in history over a 40-day period. In that time, only eight people survived the rains and flooding. Eight out of the entire world. Why? Why did all of humanity but eight people perish? Because they loved darkness more than light. Humanity loved, I repeat, loved, not liked, not had a fascination with. Humanity loved the darkness. The Bible in many places lists the things men love more than light. And the lists aren't just the top 10 sins as listed in our modern day Christian magazines, but they include those little nitpicky sins that people are quick to dismiss and move on from without a second thought, giving the automated response of, well, um, at least I haven't killed anyone, dismissing their greed, dismissing their gluttony, 
dismissing their anger as being part of human nature. Ever hear someone say, Oh, that isn't sin. I, I was born this way. You were born that way. And that is exactly why Jesus said you must be born again. Born of water that cleanses away the old and your heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. One that beats every beat to glorify God. Without this rebirth, we can say I believe in God. We can say I believe in Jesus all we want. If we're not born again and striving to be Christ-like, we have done little but lie to ourselves about our supposed walk with Jesus Christ and our self-appointed, self-directed seat at the table in heaven. Many have professed a belief in Jesus Christ and have never changed. They remain the same poster child of wickedness they were from day one to their final second of life. The one who professes a belief in Christ so well that their church appoints them an elder or deacon, yet at home they don't control their spending, their family going without as they buy fancy suits and cars to impress their church family, raising their children without any morals or religious instruction befitting children of a servant of Christ, abusing their spouse mentally and physically, possibly sexually, while the church thinks that Elder Ralph is one of the most Christ-like people they met, it won't be Ralph the deacon standing before Christ. It'll be Ralph the professed believer who stands and gives account of his actions. It will be the Ralph the church didn't see. The Ralph who chose to beat his wife rather than to seek out in scripture how a husband should run his household. There, at the judgment seat, Ralph will be looked at through his association with Jesus Christ. His lifetime of deeds will not be placed in a basket of good and bad to see which way the scales tip. There will never be a time when Ralph's church life will outweigh his worldly home life. There, before the judgment seat, it will be decided, has Ralph been born again? Has his changed heart showed amendment of life? Are his sins covered by the blood of Christ? We've seen last time what will happen. Ralph will say, But Lord, I was a deacon. And Lord, I was an elder. Why, Lord, I served communion. I went outside, Lord, and I planted I planted flowers at the church. I edged the sidewalks. I, I even helped both monetary and physically to redo the church roof. Why, Lord, I even filled in for pastor on several occasions. And Jesus will say, Away from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you, for you love darkness rather than the light. Jesus said in verse 20, For every man that evil doeth hateth the light, neither cometh to light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Every one that does evil hates the light, neither will they come to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. Jesus, Jesus basically said, Everyone that sins hates me, 
neither will they come to me, because I will show them the fault of their deeds. And here is another indication of why we must be born again. No one will come to Jesus and want to be told what they're doing is sinful, so they hide the darkness, or hide their darkness. Now, they'll come to church like Ralph did. They'll sit in the front pew, barking out hallelujahs and amens in cadence with a message they have no intention of ever putting into practice. They'll say, I believe in Jesus. But the life lived shows no evidence of anything Christ-like or any indication of the love of and for Jesus spewing forth from the changed heart. You'll hear them say, Oh, that was such a good sermon, Pastor. You hit the nail on the head. Then turning to the first person they see outside of the church. The first person they see outside of that church setting. The pastor becomes a self-righteous, holier-than-thou bigot that should follow his own advice. And with that, the chasm is dug between light and dark, so they'll never mix, making it able to love the darkness and hate the light, but, but still be able to use the light to get from it what they need. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if anyone who worships the light, gets a sniff of their behavior and confronts them, they stop at nothing to restore that chasm and get back to the safety of the darkness. Even to the point that they will try to destroy the confronter at any cost. Let me repeat that. They will do anything they need to do to restore that chasm between light and dark and get back to the safety of the darkness, even to the point of trying to destroy the confronter at any cost. And I say this because I have seen it happen on numerous occasions. Someone involved in sin is found out, and they're confronted about it. And instead of stopping and looking into scripture and saying, yeah, you know, that is sin. I have sinned against Christ. I've sinned against my brothers and sisters. I've sinned against the word of God. I need to repent of this sin and I need to turn back to Christ. They start a vicious campaign to try and destroy the one trying to destroy the one that confronted them and called out their sin. Because for some reason they think that instead of repenting of their sin and turning to Christ and putting that sin under the blood of Christ, converting their sin under that blood into a learning lesson both for them and for others, they will try to destroy the one that brought it out. They will try to destroy them any way they can. Most of the time, it's through their credibility. A lot of other times, depending on what's going on, they can try and destroy them personally by starting rumors and problems that could eventually go into their, their homes. 
or their businesses. They could try destroying them financially by causing issues with them. They will stop at nothing at times to destroy the confronter. Now, I'm not talking here about those brothers and sisters that fight and wrestle with sin. The ones who seek daily to walk as the Lord Jesus walked. Those that may sin, but own up to it and deal with the ramifications of it. These are the lovers of the light, the lovers of Christ that will soon be leaders and teachers of the next round of solid born-again believers in Christ. Those who will strap on the armor, they will pick up their sword and shield, and they will go to war to defend the gospel and the church against the darkness that seeks its destruction. Yes, they may sin from time to time, but they will see that it is sin. Why, they may sin every day. But they're going to see that it is sin and they will confront it as sin. And they will seek to walk. They will seek to walk in the light that is Jesus Christ. These are the ones Jesus speaks of in verse 21. The ones born again, sold out to Jesus Christ. The ones that do the truth. They have no issue coming fully to the light so their deeds and actions can be placed in the refiner's fire where the things they do or have done can be burned to ashes and the rebuild of the sinful ways or those not of God can be redone, rebuilt, and rebirthed. And I'm not talking rebuilding of those sinful ways, but I'm talking as those sinful ways have been burned down, their walk can be rebuilt, redone, and rebirthed. Ezekiel had written in verse 27 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Remember how the conversation with Nicodemus has went thus far. Almost a spot-on exposition of this section of Ezekiel. Cleanse you from your filthiness and idols with water. Tear out your wicked heart and give you a new heart. Put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. We see this put into practice following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in Act two. Acts 2. These are the clues we are given as to how to identify true born-again believers from those who say they believe in Jesus, but amount to no more than spiritual impostors being used to confound and confuse the true church of God with endless battles, conflicts, strife, and outright ungodly behavior to further weaken, assault, and try to destroy those who walk in the light. Now with the business model of today's churches, pastors have been forced to take their eyes off their true calling of shepherding the flock entrusted unto them, and it has taken them away from their calling of prayer and study the word and what they end up doing is throwing on a striped shirt to referee endless quarrels and battles between the born-again believers and those who hold to the worldly system of right and wrong meanwhile while they're doing this walking a tightrope of knowing that one wrong move or wrong one wrong word could have them standing in the unemployment line 
And this is where it is our duty as born-again believers to see that people are adhering to a Christ-like life and appear to be chasing holiness. We do this to help out the pastors. If we see somebody that is in our group or even in life and we want to deal with Christians and we see somebody that doesn't appear to be walking in the light, we can most of the time take care of that issue by avoiding them, stepping away from them, Depending on where they are in their walk, it may be that it's just somebody that is having a rough time in life. We need to, to make that judgment call as to where we think they are. But if you see somebody that's stirring up trouble and they show no signs of holiness and no signs of Christ-likeness, then it might be probably best just to steer clear of them so that we don't get into the quarrels and struggles and take the pastors away from what they need to be doing and what they're called to do in Scripture. Or perhaps even call that person out on their sin. And a lot of times, if if the born-again believers, if they would stand up and stand against sin in the church and use their knowledge of Scripture to stand against that sin it would give the leaders of the church the time to do what they need to do scripturally to help that church grow and to prosper in the word of the lord We must not worry about growing numbers or frenzied evangelical parties designed to bring more people into the church regardless of where they stand spiritually, theologically, or otherwise. Christ will do with his churches as he sees fit. We need to be faithful. We need to be humble. We need to be ready to help out our fellow believers and be ready to stand and fight against anything that comes into our church that is not of Christ. Jesus said that in verse 21, that his deeds, that being the born-again believer's deeds, be made manifest that they are wrought of God. Jesus wasn't telling Nicodemus this just to hear himself speak. This is how it will be and how it will continue to be. It doesn't matter if you came to faith in 1022, 1922, or 2022. This pattern will hold true. Luke wrote in Acts of 3,000 Christians converted by God after a sermon from Peter. And this was in Acts chapter 2. After they were converted, these new Christians didn't climb into bed with the neighbor's wife. They didn't swindle someone out of a camel or a beaker of oil or hoard money and possessions. No, what they did was gladly received his word. They were baptized they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued into the breaking of bread. And they continued in prayer. Their lives showed that they were born again. Their lives showed their amended lives and converted hearts. Their lives showed a love of the light, a love for Jesus Christ, and a hatred of the darkness. 
I ask you today, and I want you to seriously think about this question. I ask you today, are you born again? Are you born again? Do your deeds in your life show you live in spirit and truth? Or are you floundering, having no love of light, clinging to your sin and clinging to the darkness? If you are the former and you're born again, it's time to defend the church against the assault of the evil one. Keep on your course, but be diligent in prayer. Keep on your course, but be diligent in study. Keep on your course and be diligent in your reading, seeking to keep your deeds in the light and unstained by the world and its systems. Have, as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, or, as some translations will say, expose them. Seek to keep yourself unstained by the world so you can stand before Christ in the last day, a good and faithful servant. If you believe in the Son of God, yet your deeds are evil, and you're now concerned, you are buried, yet neck deep in sin. It's time to pray the Lord changes your heart. It's time to pray that he washes you clean. It's time to pray that he grants you the kingdom through repentance and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. To you, I say, seek Christ and live. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your deeds are evil and you don't care. If you feel that Jesus died for this whole world and he wants you to be happy, that you'll continue in your sin, continue to be who you are because I was born this way and there isn't anything you, God, or Jesus Christ is going to do about it, I have this to say to you. Repent and turn to Christ. As on that last day, it won't be Jesus' love for you that will separate you from the flock, but it will be your love of your sin that will separate you from the flock. I tell you this, turn from your sin, turn from your askew theology, and turn to Jesus Christ for remission of sin, or likewise, you shall perish. Father, I thank you that you've given us this time that we can go through the book of John, chapter 3, that we can see that this was indeed a conversation that it was indeed a teaching moment from Jesus Christ, that it was indeed Jesus telling the religious leaders of the day, this is exactly how it's going to be. You must be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. I will come. I am here that I must be lifted up and die upon that cross, that I will be the sacrifice for sin. And when I've been 
on the cross and have died, buried, and finally resurrected on that third day. That those who have placed their trust in me, those who are born again through that working of God, that their mission and their walk doesn't stop right there, but that they must carry on. They will carry on into that battle. And in that battle is where the born again will be separated from those not born again, where the sheep will be separated from the goats. I ask, Lord, that all who hear this message solidly think about where they will be in that last day, that they look humbly and deeply at their life to see exactly where they stand and that they will go ahead, Lord, and cry out to you or be ready to face you on that last day. I praise you for the ones that you have created anew, Lord, that you have changed their hearts, that you have shown them your Son and his blood on that cross. And I thank you for that, Lord. I ask that you continue to do the regenerative work that you do on the souls of man, on many more. I ask those of us that, those of us that have been born again, Lord, I ask that you, you give us a countenance of stone so we can stand tall in these evil days, that we can stand tall and stand in the face of evil and glorify you and glorify your son, Jesus Christ, who died upon that cross. And it is in that blood that was shed upon that cross and in that name that we pray. Amen.